Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. This is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And, you know, Julie, I was, I've been thinking about the time machine um, a lot lately in preparation for this particular podcast. Have, have you ever read H.G. Wells' The Time Machine? I have not. Oh, well, I had not until like the past couple of years where I ended up like picking it up and, and, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it holds up surprisingly well. Like it's, it's a much, much more beautiful novel than one might expect. Um, if, if you're not, you know, really familiar with, with the actual writings of H.G. Wells and are more familiar with just his ideas as right. they end up popping up in our movies and pop culture. And not to say that the ideas are not fabulous, but, uh, but for a, an older book, it, it, it holds up really well. And one of the, the key ideas in it, when, uh, when our time traveler character, um, travels an enormous distance into the future, he finds that society, uh, has a surface world and a subworld. And the surface world is all tiny little dream people just having a great time, while uh, the underworld is the domain of the Morlocks. And these are just hulking monsters that do all the grunt work. They maintain the machinery. So all the pretty stuff on the surface, all of the uh, necessary mechanics uh, and infrastructure underneath. Okay. And uh in the uh, in the book it's kind of a it well it is a nightmaric vision because it's because uh, the people on the surface are stupid from not having to do anything and the people underground are monsters and it all has to do with you know the the you know what is the you know uh, the industrialization of of society doing to us. Right. But um I, you know I'm not arguing that um having cannibalistic creatures underground uh doing all of our work is <laughs> doing a great all our idea. Bidding, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that's a great idea. Um but, but yet you see merit. In this yeah, idea. I see. There's a little merit because I mean, let's face it. What's what? What do we prefer? Do we like power lines or bury? Uh, you know, up in the air or buried power lines? I gotta tell you, I like aesthetic uh, yeah. harmony. Yeah. I do. Yeah, so the more stuff we can bury, the better, right? We put our uh, put our sewer lines underground. We put our you know our power lines when available underground. Um, if it's if it's kind of unsightly, then uh, then let's see if we can put it in the basement, right? Right. So. Um, there's this really interesting idea um, of the underground automated highway, which basically says, hey, let's take our highway system and bury it underground. And then and then on top of that, well, it'll also be basically robotic so that it'll, you know, the cars will drive themselves. It's all underground. Completely and, automated. Yeah. And everywhere that we currently have a big, you know, uh, you know, eight lane wide stretch of asphalt. You know, that can be just, you know, grass again or a city park or, you know, whatever, whatever uh, we want to make of it so that the, the surface can be beautiful and more natural and we can just bury all of our necessary infrastructure. I, I'm, I like it. Yeah. I love this idea of these uh, rolling hills, this bucolic view and underneath all the there's a slight rumbling because everybody <laughs> is hanging out underground getting from point A to point B. Yeah. And probably and since they don't have to drive their car, they get to, you know, get to lounge back and read read that book uh that you've been wanting to read or 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 you know, play video games or checkers or or you know, talk to your child, uh you know, the the sky's the limit. Anything surf you want to do. Surf the internet. Surf the internet. Anything you want to do. Take a nap. Uh you know, just not driving. Yeah, in this scenario, I definitely see a lot of tinted windows. Yeah, I have to say. Oh, and or just no windows. You know, what do you have to see underground? Just more. Oh no, I think it's. I don't know that I'd want to see into my fellow passenger passengers' got, uh, cars. Yeah. You know, when they have so many choices of activities yes. to partake in. Yeah, it's a frightening enough uh, proposition. Just uh, you know, on the connector. Exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. So it's 
on one level, I, I, we both have a lot of thoughts about this vision, especially, I mean, especially when you factor in that, uh, some experts uh, and, and real supporters of the idea say, uh, we'll have it in 50 to 100 years. Yeah, Which I read that too. Extremely optimistic. Um, but, but also there's this, the, the, you know, when you, when you start talking about, oh, let's, let's automate our transportation and put it underground, I, you know, instantly think of like subway systems, like preferably the really good ones, um, like London. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, it's like the idea of taking an automated mode of transportation that's underground and out of sight to get from point A to point B. It happens every day in, in right. major uh, metropolitan cities. It goes off without a hitch. Um, and I'm actually thinking of two other examples. One great, one not so good. And one is the channel, right? Right. I mean, that connects, to, um, is it Paris or Brussels? I can't remember. Um, but eh, Paris, duh. Okay. Paris and London. Yeah. And it's brilliant, right? You don't have to worry about getting on a boat. Um, you know, I don't know. In a couple hours, you're there. Right. They they didn't actually, though. There at one point there was the, the, the you know the idea of building a bridge, but but basically instead of uh, taking the uh, yeah the sea route, you can just take the underground highway. Right. Yeah. And, and it's lovely. Right. Um. And it is proof that it can be done. You can build a giant underground road. I mean, we have uh, you know some some really impressive tunnels, uh, you know, mountain tunnels in, in the world that uh, that. That connect uh, uh, areas, and you know we we have the technology. It it can be done, but is it really feasible? Right, yeah. and that's where I think about the big dig, which in Boston it, uh, they took the artery that was going around the city mm-hmm. and they rerouted it underneath the city, uh, uh-huh. underneath the city center, and it was horribly expensive. Um, there are all sorts of problems that continue to this day, leaks, so on and so forth, and actually they think that it actually. Um, Makes traffic even worse because it allowed so many more people to dump into the the highways underneath. Right. So, and you know, any Bostonites out there, shout out and let us know about that. But um, my understanding is that it probably wasn't uh, the perfect project for this. Right. Now, uh, another, but 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 a big, a big plus to this, um, like dissecting it a little and, and like ignoring the underground aspect for a minute, um, which which uh, is in itself actually pretty great because. Uh, when you look at the the amount of of the world that is taken up by roads, uh, it's pretty staggering. Well, and not to mention the fact that our population is exploding, and we, of course we don't have much more land to spare in terms of uh, developing any more buildings or roadways. Yeah, and uh, and when you look at accidents, I mean the, the roads yeah. tend to be pretty dangerous, uh, mainly because of uh, human error. Uh, I think it's like ninety percent of uh, of accidents uh, can generally be attributed to human fault. Yeah. In fact, a World Health Organization has estimated that it costs the United States $250 billion a year because wow. of uh, traffic accidents. And of course, the larger the population, the more cars on the road and, and the more fatalities. Right. So if you could, uh, if you could, could, we could actually get to the point. And, and I think the automated roadways is, uh, that's far less far fetched. I mean, a lot right. of, the, as we'll discuss, a lot of the technologies. <laughs> the above ground. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the technologies are, are on their way or, or even already here. Uh, for that to to be a very real possibility, and again, you take the uh, you take the wheel away from dangerous humans, put it in the hands of a of a of a robotic system, of an automated system, and uh, and you're going to have much safer roads. Okay. when it's working. So, if we were to do an underground highway, what would we need? Well, um, first of all, the big thing is that automated highway system because you can't yeah. bear to to bury it. We must first have it. You know, so. <laughs> Um, so this, and when we talk about automated highway system, we're envisioning 
roads that have buried mag- magnetic sensors that work in tandem with the car's onboard computer, right? Yeah, much of the technology that, that we're talking about has been around for uh, for more than a decade. Uh, back in the 1990s, the U.S. Department of Transportation sponsored the National Automated Highway System Consortium. And uh, this was just a, a test of a number of different uh, technologies, uh, you know, where it's... Um, where, where they had, they they equipped like eight cars with several different automated driving systems. This included uh, radar to detect other vehicles, uh, ma- you know, magnets like we said, uh, visual sensors to follow the length of highway marked, and uh, and more in like buried sensors and visual markers as well. And over the course of the demonstration, the the vehicles traveled a combined eight thousand miles and carried four thousand passengers without incident. Went out went off without a hitch, right? Yeah, yeah, no problems. And that's the really cool part, right? So we have the technology, we know it can be done, and that's the first thing that we need. Right. Right. And, and, and we have it. Yeah. And a lot of the other technologies, I mean, self-driving, the the, the, the dream of the self-driving car is uh, like, think of it like a wall composed of many bricks. And a lot of those bricks are already in existing automobiles, especially the more, you know, the higher priced uh, vehicles. Um uh, you know, especially when you get into like really complicated, uh, electronic, uh, deferentials. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, uh, anti-lock brakes, um, you know, even cruise control. These are all examples, like little, little or, or substantial bricks in this wall that, okay. that we're building. Um, and, and actually too, to talk about the automated highway system in Japan, the new energy and industrial technology development organization, NATO, mm-hmm is researching and developing automatic driving and driving in formation and carrying out these proof-of-concept tests right now. Right. So they're well on their way to, to developing it. A few years back, we also had the the DARPA uh, Urban Challenge, um, which was all about taking robotic vehicles, putting them in a uh, an urban or mock urban environment, and having them successfully navigate. And uh, and, and out of that has come a lot of uh, the, the same uh, people that were involved in these, these successful aspects of this uh operation have gone on to, say, work with Google. Right. Uh, so you have, like, the Google uh, robotic car. Yeah. And it uh, probably should be mentioned, too, that the DARPA Grand Challenge was sponsored by the Department of Defense. Yes. And, of course, that when you start to think about it, that makes sense because they'd love to have some self-driving convoys. I mean, that would save a lot of lives. Yeah, yeah. They've put... Uh there have been, been some pretty, uh, I'm not sure what the current uh, plan is, but they've put some pretty ambitious um, uh, uh, plans in place about automating their um, their their wheeled uh, vehicles uh, in the military. Right. Uh, and, of course, uh, we already have an, a number of, uh, you know, we have the UAVs like the Predator and the Reaper uh, up in the air. Uh, so so there's been a lot of work going into it. Because, you know, like take, take the human out of the equation. Uh, get a robotic vehicle uh, on the road. Right. So we're making strides yeah. in that sense. We we've got the automated highway system. We've we've got the technology for that. Uh, we're we've got the technology for driverless cars. And uh, the other thing that we need is improved tunnel boring machines. Yeah. So if you're going to go underground, what are you going to do? I mean, you've got to you've got to have something that's massive and powerful that can bore its way through rock. And these things are incredible looking. They're like these giant tubes. They look like worms with teeth and yeah. not like Beetlejuice worms with teeth, right. but more like the sandworms from Doom worms with teeth. Yeah. They, um, they also remind me of the scene in Labyrinth where the, the cleaner thing comes through the tunnel, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, they're, they're incredible looking. Um, they've got rotating discs at the front that have cutting teeth so they can cut through the rock and then the rock particles fall onto a conveyor belt and it's whisked away. And then they've got hydraulic feet that essentially push uh, they attach themselves to the tunnel and, and 
forced their way through. Wow. Yeah, so, they're like those worms from Tremors, except they're robotic. Yes, yes, exactly. Or mechanical, rather. But, of course, <laughs> they're, the, the they're pro- not robotic. I guess they're not self-aware. Yeah, yeah right, of, yet. Yeah. Um, but, of course, the problem with that is that they're super expensive. Yeah, and just, uh, like, laying out a length of tunnel can, can be extremely pricey. So if we had improved tunnel boring machines, in other words, we had maybe more efficient ones where the cost came down, that that would be in the realm of possibility, right? Right. And then, uh, but but then they're also uh, they also say that we would really need zero emission vehicles if we're going to have a massive uh, underground highway system. Uh, you 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 know you have to keep the you have to manage the air down there. Right. The so, ex- like a bunch of exhaust would be awful. Right. Yeah. So I mean, even if you're like sealed in the vehicle, you know, it shouldn't be like deep sea diving or going to right. another planet. You know, they they want to have some you know monicum of uh, of 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 air quality down there in the tunnels. Um, you know, otherwise you're going to have you know people evolving to breathe it and becoming a you know a hideous underground cannibalistic race, which nobody wants. Right. Exactly. Really, so, we don't want it. Yeah. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. But back to the automated um, uh, vehicle system uh, for a second. You know, it's one thing, as always, with any technology to say, here's the prototype doing its thing in a control environment. Right. But to unroll that, uh, to to, uh, to say, you know, it's kind of like with the, the, uh, the digital um, uh, TV antenna thing, you know. If, if someone were to say, all right, by this October, only automated vehicles on the road. Right. That would be unrealistic. Like, it would be unrealistic if you were to say, okay, guys, uh, starting this October, uh, if you don't have cruise control, you can't be on the road legally. Like, that would inconvenience a large number of people. Right. Um, and, and, and rightly so. Right. I mean, the, yeah, the, yeah. the outcry would be, uh, of course, understood. Yeah. It's like the, the question would be, all right, well, are you going to pay to have cruise control installed on my vehicle? Are you going to buy me a new vehicle? Right. Uh, you know, and then are you going you know, to say nothing of the cost of say, all right, I'll now all, uh, government or state-owned vehicles have to have cruise control, and the, you know the ones that don't need to be fixed. So I'm, I'm. The estimation seems to be that you would end up having, say, like a uh, in the same way we have an HOV lane, you would have an automated vehicle lane. Oh, or, okay. So you could you know find a way to slowly integrate and to and to have, uh, to have your automated systems more or less alongside um, the, uh, the the normal drivers. Huh. Okay. So if I have my BMW two hundred thousand dollar collision aversion vehicle, yeah, then I could join that lane. Yeah, you could travel down like uh, Richie Highway and uh, <laughs> and and only drive with other robots. Because the other thing that comes to mind is that you know it's one thing to come up with an automated system where you know individual robotic cars drive alongside other robotic vehicles, mm-hmm. but then it's it's a different thing entirely to say, all right, these robotic vehicles are driving alongside crazy people. Who are driving their own vehicles. Right. It's, it, you know, it's, it's that you have to account for so many other things. Right. Cause the idea is to lower the incidence of, of right. traffic collisions, right? So yeah, in the real world setting, does that negate it entirely? Yeah. Some like crazy man driving around flipping off robot cars because they're inconveniencing him because they're, they're dr- all driving the speed limit because they're programmed to. Right. Right. And who gets the ticket? It's a robot car. Yeah, yeah. Who, yeah, who, who gets the ticket? Who, um, who's responsible in an accident? Right. Um, do you, you know, is it the manufacturer? Is it, you know, what, what does the driver have to do with it at that point? Yeah, which makes me think about the Google car, right? Yeah. Um, because it has been developed, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, it actually did, there was one incidence of an, uh, accident. And these are, uh, truly driverless cars. Like they had them cruising around San Francisco with no one in them. Wow. And it turns out that they, one of them did get rear-ended uh-huh. by someone. So, 
and it does beg that question, like who's responsible? Like what if, if Google starts working with Toyota or Ford to give them their technology, you know, if I've got a banged up car, who's going to, Who's going to assume responsibility? All right. Now, uh, one thing that comes to mind in, in all of this, when we again we, we talk about like underground automated highways, and you think of subways, you think of automated highways on the surface, and, and you end up sort of you think about trains, you know? Yeah. And uh, so on one on one level, I want to I w- there's a part of me that wants to make the argument, hey, this is all stupid. Why don't we just have awesome public transportation? Right. But that flies in the face of, of especially of the, like, the, the very, like, American idea that, you know, I, I want my own car. I want to control that environment. Because, like, the train ride this morning, I listened to my own music, I read my book, and, uh, you know, kind of shut everybody off. But then again, I also, uh, had to, like, stand, like, ear to ear with, uh, with some random stranger. Um, you, you had know, to wait on the platform. I had to wait on the platform. Uh, was you know my schedule was entirely um, at the mercy of whatever Marta was doing this morning. So, and you had to enter the social contract, right? Like you know, there, there. I'm sure there was no belching. I'm going to assume you have not ridden Marta lately. Have no, you? Oh, I mean from you. Oh, for me, yes, <laughs> yes. There was no belching on my part, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess you could make that argument. It's like, man, I wish I could ride my own little, you know, capsule, so I could just totally let myself go on the ride. Right. And, you know, like. But is but is it possible to continue to pursue this this American ideal of freedom and cars into the future? You know, like this is a very cool system. Driverless cars are amazing, but. You know, is it something that we can sustain? Yeah. Does just does does a car eventually just become way too expensive? I mean, cars are pretty. Friggin' expensive now. Right. Um, so, um, you know, at what point does it just be, is it become beyond the, pe- the pale? You know, just something that an individual cannot own a car. Yeah. Uh, w- which actually you look at some interesting models with like, uh, you know, uh, car rental or shared use situations like on one level, like Zipcar, which is already, uh, in use, uh, yeah. in a lot of places. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, th- there are other neat ideas. Like you, you see examples of like stackable car systems, mm-hmm. systems where you say you, you fly into a city, uh, check out a vehicle at the airport and then check it back in at another check-in station. Uh, there are a number of different, uh, kind of like they do with bicycles in some cities. Okay. Uh, there are a number of different, uh, um, experimental models. Like in Amsterdam and Paris. Like right. You, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, there's also something called the road trains. Uh, which are basically basically groups of cars with similar destinations. And Volvo is actually working on an EU initiative for road safety and has created a platoon road train. Mm-hmm. And so these are guided by a lead vehicle, and that's being driven by a human. Um, but the other cars follow in succession, and they all have computer-controlled cars that are electronically tethered in this sort of convoy. And each vehicle in the platoon measures the distance, speed, and direction of the vehicle directly in front of it. Okay. So it adjusts its movements to stay in formation. And of course, what's the weak link here? If the lead car goes out of, gets out of control or has yeah. a breakdown, then you don't know where you're going to end up. Yeah. Of course. Now, now, Volvo has built in a breathalyzer. So if, if that lead person is drunk, then they can't even start the car. But, um. But it reminds me of like some of the uh, situations where you have, uh, dolphins or whales beaching themselves. Some of those have been tied to like a dominant, uh, uh, the, the lead, uh, whale, yeah. uh, becoming disoriented and yeah. just like it ends up on the, on the beach. And then they push, you know, well-meaning humans come out, push everything back out to sea. And they just wind up on the beach again because the lead vehicle is broken. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause there's always going to be some sort of user error. 
So, I mean, to hitch your wagon to someone, I don't know how I'd feel about it. I'd want to know the person, you know, um, find out if they had any sort of agenda. And, And plus, it sort of makes it a train, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's the concept of a train. You just have a bunch of cars um, that are fixed together rather than the, the actual trains themselves. Yeah. But then the idea of completely removing humans from the equation, that also has uh, some problems as well, right? Yeah. I mean, actually, think about pilots. Uh, they've yeah. got the automated system, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, uh, that was put in there so that pilots didn't have to worry about a thing. They could take off. They could land. They didn't have to do anything. It was, it was all uh, going to happen for them. But what they found is that that the pilots, when they didn't have anything to do, became really kind of lackadaisical. They got sleepy. They weren't paying attention. And so they decided, okay, this is, this actually is not a good idea. Um, what we need is for the pilots to assume the responsibility on takeoff and landing. And, of course, we've got the automated system, and that's the backup. Okay. So that made things a lot safer. Yeah, well, I think some of the, the – you look at some of the plans for, you know, automated highways, and, and I think it would, it would kind of resemble that because, obviously – like the automated highway would not necessarily begin at your driveway. You would, right. you know, in the same way that you don't actually get on the highway to, you know, take the entrance ramp. Uh, so it, it would be something along those lines where, yeah, you, you drive through your neighborhood, you drive through your town. Maybe you, you know, you go whole months without using the automated highway system and then you, you know, you launch onto it. Right. You're you right. Pay. It could never purely be, you'd, yeah. you'd have to have some sort of override system that you could switch between. So, but that, I mean, that's just interesting. You, can you imagine the sort of studies that would come out of that? Like when your brain has to switch back on and, and start to look at distances and, you know, and, and work again, basically. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. And I, I wonder too, like with, uh, with truckers and, um, and I wonder if we, we may have some trucker listeners out there. I, I would, I hope we do. Yeah. Me too. Um, like, I wonder if you would end up in a situation where, uh, like, truck driver drives the, uh, the cargo to the, the, uh, automated highway system and then kind of gets off, uh, you know, uh, exits the vehicle. Right. Lets it carry, and then it just automated carries the cargo, um, across the country. And then as it's leaving, somebody else jumps on. So you'd end up with just sort of local, um, truck, uh, trucking operators. Well, and truck drivers don't get mad at me, but actually in this scenario too, you wouldn't necessarily need to have a truck driver, right? Like if you had a point A to B and yeah. the, if the company did like a, a, a place where you loaded and unloaded, then you could just send a truck 10,000 miles or maybe shorter, 3,000 miles, you know, down yeah. the road and it gets to the drop off point and you don't, I mean, really in theory, you wouldn't necessarily have to have someone there. So, but again, what does this sound like? Yeah. A train. Yeah. Well, there's a human on the train, but. True. Yeah. But I mean, you know, just having the technology, I mean, what, what are you doing is you're sort of duplicating this other system that exists. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it's interesting how, it, you know, it, it, we kept hanging onto our cars. We, you know, the car became this important uh, part of, uh, uh, well, not just American culture. It's just, you know, it's just, but, but especially American culture. Yeah. Um, and, and so, uh, I, I can, I tend to only see like an underground automated highway, um, coming into being if, uh, if we just continue to have like an, an increasing attachment to our vehicles, like a, like a religious attachment to it. Right. Like, like one's total, the total of one's self worth, uh, and, uh, is just like spiritually attached to the automobile. Um, that's the main way I see something like this, like truly taking shape. Do you think it could happen? Well, it could, I mean, a lot of things can happen. 
Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but it's just, you know, it comes down to we, do we, do we have the money to spend on it? Do we want to spend the money on it? Is it worth it to us? You know, it's the same argument about like going back to the moon or, you right. know, or sending man, uh, manned, uh, uh, missions to Mars. Yeah. You know, we could, we could do it. Yeah. But, but are we? Is it, does it really make sense, uh, to our values? Right. And we're having this conversation right now in a hundred years, 50 years, even. 50 years, yeah. it could be in existence. Um, but I mean, it does make sense that you would start to adopt some of the technology now. And then yeah. you know, with maybe 200 years, 300 years, who knows that a complete overhaul would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe we won't. Somebody will see. I hope I see it. <laughs> I have to say, I, I love the idea of it just cruising along and being able to do, you know, read or, or whatnot. Yeah. It's a lovely proposition. Hmm. But then, but then also, like, maybe you don't have to, to travel around as much in the future. You're doing everything digitally, right? Or like beaming your consciousness into your clone body that works uh, at the office. Well, I know, but sometimes a hologram just doesn't suffice and you actually have to, to, to go somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, we have an article about this on the website called, um, how automated, um, how underground automated, no, it's called We Will We Drive on Underground Automated Highways. And you wrote it. I wrote it. Uh, so it's, it's even worse that I can't remember the name of it. But, um, but yeah, so I go into the, uh, a lot of the same facts that we're covering here. Uh, we also have an excellent article on, uh, automated, uh, dri- uh driverless cars, uh, automated driving. So just drop, drop any of that, uh, uh language into the, uh, search bar on the, on the homepage and, uh, you'll get some cool results. It will magically appear. Yeah. So, hey, I have uh, just a little listener mail here. I'm, I, I feel like we're probably going a little long, so I don't want to uh, – I, I can't read a lot of it. And we actually received a lot of cool stuff uh, uh, regarding our uh, Dream Inception podcast, which talked about uh, problem solving that takes place uh, while we sleep in our dreams and uh, sometimes gives us those key breakthroughs for uh, creative endeavors, be they uh, you know, artistic or scientific in nature. Mm-hmm. Or even uh, emotional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just figuring out how to, you know, uh, orchestrate your own, your own life. Uh, so we received uh, a lot of emails, and I'm not going to have time to read all of them, but I thank everybody for sending them in. Uh, we uh, received several things from programmers. Uh, a uh, listener by the name of Abraham says, I'm a, I'm a design engineer, mechanical, and I find that as I am working on desi- designing complex designs and I cannot conjure up a solution during the day, I have a eureka moment during my sleep sometimes. This happens with just more than work as well, life issues, problems, uh, with hobby builds on airplanes and such. Uh, so I thought that was interesting uh, from Abraham. Um, then we also heard from a listener by the name of Griffin. Um, and he says, uh, for my own story, I used to be a software developer. Earlier on, when I was learning rapidly and using my new knowledge, I recall so many episodes where I woke up fully aware that I had been working on understanding a problem and solving it all night long in bed. One very powerful uh, one was an understanding of multidimensional data arrays. At the time of this dream, I saw myself hand, handing myself a glowing fruit. And as I took it from another me, I said, thank you. And the other me said, you're welcome. That was a fun challenge. And the other me cartwheeled away. I love so that. So that's, that's just, uh, yeah, I love that as well. So I thank uh, Griffin for sending that in. And we also heard from a listener by the name of Jim and... Um, he was a uh, software developer at AT&T Bell, uh, Bell Labs in the late 1980s. 
He says, I was about 27 uh, at the time, so I was still learning. Source code uh, versioning control systems were just starting to be used, and they weren't as easy to use as they are today. We had about 25 developers all making changes to our software on a daily basis. The challenge was to gather all of those changes and produce a stable version of the source code that would compile, link, and run. It was like trying to hurt cats. And he says, one evening in March 1988, I went to bed a bit earlier than usual, around 10 p.m., uh, I was drifting uh, off into sleep and an idea flashed in my head and it woke me up like a bolt of lightning. I knew how to solve the problem. It was obvious and extremely elegant. It was so simple that I was uh, sure there was surely that I was missing something. So I ran to work the next day and subjected my uh, poor boss to a a detailed whiteboard description. I showed it off to several people and uh, convinced my teammates to give it a try. And uh, it turns out the idea worked like a charm for it. And the idea um, led to a tool used widely in AT&T. So... Very cool. Yeah. So in a very interesting real-life stories there uh, about uh, dreams helping us to solve our problem and the, and the kind of stuff that's going on in our mind. I mean, you don't need a better excuse to sleep and dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's right you got there. a problem, go to sleep. Sleep on it, just like your grandma said. <laughs> yeah, just like she did. Yeah. So, hey, if you have some uh, interesting feedback about about dreams uh, or about uh, the dream of the underground automated highway and uh, or any kind of technological or planning um, fixes that could help our our uh, commuting woes, then uh, drop by the Facebook or the Twitter. We are Blow the Mind on both of those, and we'd love to hear from you. Also, feel free to drop us a line at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.